2: Hello, everybody. Good day. This is the Gravity Leadership Podcast. I'm Matt Tebbe with Ben Sternke. Hey, Matt. How's it going? Good, Ben. How are you? Um,
3: I'm doing all right. My great. back. I hurt my back. You I know. know this. Deadlifting. I hurt my back a couple weeks ago, deadlifting, and got some great advice from you after the fact about how <laughs> I shouldn't have done that because I'm 45 and my body doesn't uh, work how it's supposed to anymore. Apparently... Um, Take care. No, yourself. anyway, I'm feeling better though. I, uh, I, I do. It's been a couple weeks. It, it took a while. I think I just strained a muscle, but went to the chiropractor. Finally, good. But yeah, so I'm feeling better. All right, good. I'm feeling good today.
2: It's not, not quite as sore as I used to be. Strained muscles are better than slip discs, etc. Yes. Right?
3: Yes, for sure. Yeah. From what I hear, I don't think I've ever had a slip disc.
2: Yeah. If you so. are uh, like Ben and. Um, Forty-five years old, wanting to do deadlifts—is that, that what you mean? No. If you are new uh, to the Gravity Leadership Podcast, or maybe this community, maybe you found our podcast because somebody sent you a link, or you accidentally listened, or um, I don't know—you're <laughs> winning a—you you are you're winning a bet by listening to all of our podcasts, etc. I want to invite you to sign up for our email list. We have an email list. Yeah. We don't we don't spam you. We send out great emails, usually once a week, with mm-hmm. resources and links that. I think is one of the best resource link emails in the business. In the business. So yeah, it's Not free. to pat ourselves on the back. It's one of the ways to good. kind of move more more central to kind of who we are as an organization and what we're about. You'll get a flavor and a sense for what we do. And you will also in that email just stay updated on various other things we offer as well. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's kind of like being part of, a, being part of our online community. We're working on some new ways to um, kind of create even more connectivity uh, among the people um, who are part of our community. But um, for right now, that's, that's a really great way just to join that email list. And every Friday, typically we send out a list of just links uh, that we found interesting that we think are helpful for Christian leaders to navigate culture and faith uh, today. Um, Stuff that we found helpful. So we assume it's helpful for, for others as well.
2: Yeah. So so yeah.
3: Oh, uh, Matt, how can they sign up for that?
2: If you go to, uh you'll, you'll need access to the interweb. Oh, the internet. And then you I've will need to open your Netscape browser and uh, navigate <laughs> to uh, www.gravityleadership.com. And then mm-hmm. there's a big button right yeah. there This says join. Join us. join us. Yep.
3: Or you can go to gravityleadership.com slash join. If you want to oh. go straight there and just put in your email address, you get a little confirmation email. Click that. <laughs> You're signed up.
2: You did it. Yep. That's how you do it. What are, we, uh, what are we doing here today? We're we just talking today, about backs and email lists? What yeah, are we doing? yeah,
3: deadlifts, muscle strains, curated lists. No, um, we're also going to be uh, talking with Crispin Mayfield today um, about his um, work with spiritual attachment styles. Yeah. Um, and I <laughs> we actually booked this interview before we realized that he was um, in the process of writing a book about this, but right. there is a book... Um, that's coming out. it's not coming out till February, but you can pre-order it, uh, which is you know that's always helpful for authors from what I hear. Yes. Um, but this is a fascinating conversation. you know we we interviewed Jeff Hollaw a, a few weeks ago about the same kind of topic. It's the intersection of brain science, attachment theory, and faith. Um, but this stuff really uh, is illuminating. It's really, really helpful. And this yeah. interview with Crispin um, it blew my mind in several ways. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and uh, I felt convicted and yeah. Um, just, yeah, just uh, very illuminating in terms of realizing not only how, like, our, our attachment style relates to how we imagine our life in God, yeah. uh, our life with God, but also how whole, like, movements or um, kind of uh, theological traditions can be born out of or explained by, mm. you know, attachment theories. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that, that was also just fascinating. Uh, yeah. to, to think about so anyway this this was great i i loved doing this interview i loved it. yeah I loved there it.
2: were a few times i couldn't help myself couldn't I help just,
3: yourself and you just did what i just you started speaking blurted in tongues,
2: things or? out No, i just i blurted just began th- to yeah over exuberant <laughs> yeah
3: <Just> noises <laughs> grunts various grunts uh, that could be speaking in tongues maybe you were speaking in tongues
2: mm, i'm pretty sure i would know okay Yes, the spirit okay. would groan inside me. I wouldn't okay. know. No, it was just more, more of being like a, you know, B-minus podcast yeah. host. But Crispin's great. This book is great. And yeah. Yeah. I think there's much more work to be done in unpacking the implications for what he has to say. Yeah. Much more. For sure.
3: Yep. Yep. We'll probably so, keep talking about it with others, um, that kind of thing. But for now, enjoy Crispin Mayfield talking about spiritual attachment styles. Yeah. Gird up the mirror holes. Uh-huh. What style are you? Find out in just a few moments. <laughs> All right. Crispin Mayfield, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast.
4: Hey, thanks so much for having me on.
3: Yeah, it's good to, uh, good to be with you. Uh, Matt is here as well. Hey, Matt. Hey, yo. And uh, we're going to talk today with Crispin um, about spiritual attachment styles, um, specifically through the lens of leadership, kind of being able to notice our own defaults, being able to notice them at work with those that we serve and lead, uh, all of that kind of thing. But um, before we dive into that and figure out what this is all about, Crispin, do you want to just do a brief introduction of yourself to our audience?
4: Yeah, so I um, am actually a, a pastor's kid and a missionary kid, um, cool. and so that's my origin. Double whammy? Is that a yes. yeah?
3: Is that a is there a name for that? I mean, that, it, it feels like there should be a. Right. do You get a
2: superpower with that? It does, does do that? sound like that does sound like a classic origin story for why you went into counseling.
4: Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, in a lot of ways. Uh, that That's a whole other aside, but just worth mentioning that my parents, um, their missionary um, kind of strategy was like, we're going to target, um, <laughs> target, <laughs> we're going to build relationships with like powerful people oh, in this oh. society and, you know, yeah. kind of trickle down evangelism thing. Um, so it's no surprise that when my wife and I uh, joined a mission organization, uh, it was like, Working amongst like the most poor and marginalized people, mm, right. so you know you yeah, see that yeah. swing. Like I'm, I'm yeah. gonna do the exact. I'm, I'm doing the same. I'm still in ministry, but yeah. I'm doing the exact opposite of what my parents did. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. all right.
2: Yeah, how long we're did good. you do that mission work?
4: So we were in uh, mini inner city Minneapolis for three years, um, mm. and so I uh, graduated with my master's in counseling. Uh, we moved there for three years, and I did a lot of community based stuff in, in different ways um, some community mental health, um, but also some just uh, even kind of broader in a sense of um, building relationships in a, in a community. Um, mm-hmm. And then we moved back to Portland um, around the time that our second kid was born. Um, and we've been hanging out on the west edge of Gresh or the on the edge of Portland, uh, okay. the west edge of Gresham, which is a suburb of Portland, okay. um, to be specific, and um, and I've been practicing uh, as a therapist at an ADHD clinic of all things for about hmm. five years. Um, I, I love folks with ADHD, but um, but I've really just over time shifted into doing mostly couples therapy. Couples hmm. therapy with uh, people with ADHD, with you know, oftentimes a partner with ADHD, but. Really, my focus there is on attachment and that relationship between partners. So,
2: I am um, texting my wife now, <laughs> letting her know I found someone we need to meet. <laughs> no, that's amazing. How did you get into ADHD couple counseling? Because I may know somebody who has ADHD, me who's married.
4: Yeah, well, so to be totally <clears throat> transparent, I was working at one clinic. And my friend was like, "Hey, you should come work with me at this ADHD clinic," and I was like, "I don't know." And then they were like, "Well, you can have your own office and choose your own hours, and (laughs) um, and we have a waiting list of people waiting to see a therapist because a a lot of people know like when you first start out, it's just hard to to get it going and um, and so it was. You said,
2: how did you know I loved ADHD? (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah
4: i actually in the interview i was like i literally told them like i don't like to like work too hard i like a good like life work balance
0: and they're like
4: but um but yeah I, i've funny. really enjoyed it it was a really That's good weird. fit for our family um because yeah. previously you know when you first start out you gotta you're, you're working in the office of uh, someone that works during the day, and then you get to mm. use their evening hours or weekend hours. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I really enjoyed it because I find that a lot of people with ADHD are really more comfortable in their own skin. You kind of have to learn, like, okay, hey, I have these deficits of memory or attention or, or whatever it is. And so that idea of trying to like act like I have it all together kind of goes out the window, and there's a lot of mm. pain Uh, for people that grew up with ADHD um, in a, you know, usually an educational system that doesn't work very well. Um, Mm -hmm. But what I do find overall working with adults with ADHD is there's this element of um, being able to kind of like look at myself and be like, yeah, these are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. And I can be pretty upfront and authentic about that. So, yeah. And then, yeah. And then I, knew that emotionally focused therapy, which is a couples therapy, was based in attachment. I'd already been interested in attachment by that point. And so I was like, let's give this a shot. So and it was really life-changing, really to go through the they have a pretty rigorous training process. And that that process itself was really transformative for me. So
2: hmm. Hmm.
3: Just going through the training to help other people you found yourself helped.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot about how do you be with people in a really present way? Um, How do you help people access what's going on emotionally for them, not just like what's going on in their head, which um, relates to God, because (laughs) a lot of times what we have is we have the things that we think about God and we have the things that we feel about God, And um, we don't know. Sometimes we don't even know the things that we feel about God. Is one way of putting it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, and I want to talk about this um, because you you talk you you specifically relate your your work as you've said, kind of is about the intersection of faith and attachment science, and Mm -hmm. kind of how that affects our relationships and with with ourselves, our families, our partners, our neighbors, you know, Mm -hmm. and our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm thinking about that Tozer quote. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase this, but, uh, you know, Tozer said, what comes, I think he said, what comes to our mind, what -hmm. comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us, Uh, which was like, it was huge, it was helpful for me, it was revolutionary for me, Mm -hmm. but I realized that um, something also doesn't, like, when we think about God, or when God comes up, uh, something also comes into our bodies, right? Mm-hmm. Not just into our minds, not just mm-hmm. into our brains, not just into our thoughts, but something comes into our bodies. And and pay, learning to pay attention to that is actually really key mm-hmm. to learn sort of how you intuitively relate to God. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when we when we talk about attachment, we're talking about what's the quality of this relationship, and how does that the quality of that relationship impact our nervous system? Okay. So it's... It, yeah, it really yeah, say more about that. Like what, yeah. what
3: is attachment? when you keep you keep saying attachment? Like just help right, yeah. help us like what do you mean when you say attachment?
4: Yeah, so attachment is is this idea of uh our our attachment to others, um, our relationships. And this started with infants and mothers, um, but has been expanded across the timeline in all these different relationships, but really looking at um what what is the quality of this relationship and Does this relationship, how does this relationship impact my body? So, Hmm. what I mean is that, um, you know, when you're a kid and you're really scared, right, that actually activates your fight or flight in your body. Right. And if you can go to a parent that gives you a hug that says, oh, this is really scary, let me hold you there's a change that happens in your body that's not just <laughs> in your mind, right? <laughs> you actually relax, you calm down. Um, the, the the cortisol, you know, stops flowing. Uh, mm-hmm. The oxytocin starts flowing. So <laughs> not to get too nerdy, but the, the stress hormones stop and the good feeling yeah. hormones start. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so this really tells us that when we think about mental health and we think about mood and we think about um, just our experience of life is so dictated by the relationships that we have. Um, mm. Because if you ha- if you feel scared and you go to a parent and that parent says, stop being such a baby, yeah. Yeah. then you're like, okay, now I'm scared and I don't have anyone to support me when I'm scared. So now right. not only am I feeling this this emotional pain – but I'm also feeling isolated in it. Mm-hmm. And what will happen then is the cortisol will continue flowing, um, and we might just get quiet, we might look okay on the outside, um, mm-hmm. but that's gonna actually impact, that's gonna create stress, um, yeah. and that stress is gonna show up in in different ways.
2: Yeah, yeah this, this is, you mentioned this, uh, we started with mothers and infants, my son is 12, he'll be 13 next month, and when he was born, um, at least the hospital he was born at they they told us explicitly hey we used to take him away and do all these experiments and shake him upside down and put him on a cold metal <laughs> pan but we're actually gonna like place him on your wife's like chest for like 20 minutes
4: mm-hmm.
2: and that was like a new thing they were doing but I think it had to do with this attachment science mm-hmm. that you're talking
0: about
4: yeah definitely um John Bowlby Dr John Bowlby is the founder of attachment science and he, uh, basically instituted a lot of changes in the medical system that we're seeing today. So, I mean, one of the things was, um, you know, if we look at this kind of, um, spectrum of trying to keep kids with parents while still doing, you know, getting their medical needs taken care of, uh, in the fifties and sixties, it was like, all right, like your, your kid, uh, need surgery so they'll just be you know at the hospital for a week and mm-hmm. come pick them up in a week and you think about being <laughs> a five-year-old going through surgery and then recovering from surgery without your parent there now we're like yeah. of course like that makes no sense but yeah. they didn't know that then yeah. um yeah, and well, now so, they do open
2: heart surgery outpatient they just numb right. you up and they you know get you out in three hours yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is, so you're, you're talking like biochemistry, you're talking nervous system. Like, I, I didn't, mm-hmm. uh, you know, seminary didn't train me <laughs> to think about mm-hmm. any of this when I'm talking about God. So, Crispin, maybe, maybe reverse engineer this for, for us, uh, for me. How did you begin to connect, you know, this, the good stuff you inherited from your parents and from your upbringing as a Christian Mm -hmm. to we should, we need to pay attention to our nervous system in order to be present to God. Mm -hmm.
4: Well, it's, yeah, it's not that positive of a story actually. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So really what it was, was um, that I realized, so as I mentioned, grew up in the church, uh, went to Bible college, Um, you know, got my master's in counseling, but went into ministry. And all along, it was this, I was just noticing that I felt like this relationship with God, it feels so tenuous. Hmm. Um, There's this anxiety there around like, am I, excuse me, are we okay? You know, is our relationship okay? Um, And and some of that comes, I think the clearest example of that Uh, message that I got or where this came from is um, McGee and Me uh, some of you may be familiar (laughs) Uh, folks on the family did this video series um, called McGee and Me and the first episode is about this 11 year old kid his name's Nick he lies about his neighbor you know feels guilty some things happen but dad comes in for that scene to talk to him about him lying right and he says you know lying's bad because It hurts other people, Um, but you know what? What's most important is, and this is a paraphrase, um, is that lying is a sin, and sin can cut off your relationship with God. Mm. And so I'm like, oh yeah. So it makes sense that, like, even though I've been told you're saved by faith, it's not about works; it's a relationship. There's still the sense that, like, if I don't get it right, that I that I might not be okay, I might not be saved, and also I might not be close to God in the way that I want to be. Mm-hmm. And so, um, what I found, then, I was reading this literature, and it was saying that, um, you know, kids where there's this sense um, that the parent expects these things from their kid in order to get closeness. So it's it's that would this would be this anxious attachment style of um, as long as you're happy and behaving yourself and smiling, I want to cuddle you. And if you're crying or you're upset, like, go away, I don't want to be near you. Hmm. Um, and when we find that that a child feels like their acceptance is based on behavior, um, it creates this sense in them that there's something about me that's broken or rotten or disgusting um, or shameful. And this is... Um, this is really develops before even speech. Um, This is like the first 18 months of life. Um, Hmm. And uh, if you're familiar with Kurt Thompson's work um, in the soul of shame, he talks a lot about this. And so I was like, Oh, so it makes sense that I feel like God doesn't really like me that this is so tenuous. Like if I take this attachment framework and think about the messages I've gotten, which is, You have to be a good boy if God's going to stick around. Mm -hmm. Um, It makes so much sense that you would be living with this this anxiety. And what we found is that uh, when people have that feeling about themselves, Hmm. it impacts that parent-child relationship, but you also take it forward um, into your other relationships generally. Um, And it only made sense to be like, oh, and this also applies to God. If I've been given this message that um that there's something really wrong with me, but if I can behave be good enough, then God will come close. <laughs> um, it just makes sense that i that I feel pretty anxious a lot of the time. Yeah. so
3: Have you ever considered getting trained as a lay counselor, Christy?
5: Actually, Ben, I have. Um, <laughs> partly because as a pastor, I get lots of families and students and kids wanting to meet and have questions and hurts and pains, and I just feel ill-equipped. In fact, um, the university that I went to sent out a survey saying, oh, you've been in ministry for 20 years, and what, Mm -hmm. what did you miss in your education that you wish you would have had? And the number one thing I wrote down in it was, I wish I would have had some sort of family and student or kid counseling course, not because I'm a counselor, not because it would have trained me to be a counselor, but because I needed some tools. I yeah. need some tools uh, when these hard conversations, when these hard situations happen. Um, and I think Respero actually uh, gives some tools for our listeners, for people who want to go through that co- the course, um, that would be help of what I was looking for from my university.
3: Yeah. And Respero is sponsoring um, today's et- uh, episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast, and they do have uh, training, as you said, uh, to make that happen, to get trained as a lay counselor. You don't need to be a pastor in ministry for 20 years. No, no. Um, yeah, you can just be somebody uh, You could somebody just be a mom. Wants... You could be yeah. a dad.
5: You could be a coach or a mentor. Right.
3: Yeah, who uh, just wants to learn how to better help people um, who are in pain yeah. or struggling. Uh, they offer the option to, to join a live cohort um, and participate in two courses led by— Respero founder Joe Bishop. He has been counseling people for over 35 years, and his hope is to train Respero counselors to bring healing and comfort to a broken and hurting world, one conversation at a time. So, if you're interested, the first step is taking the Understanding People course on Respero's website. Respero offers courses and lessons for people uh, to understand themselves better or to recover from grief or spiritual abuse. Uh, they've got lessons on how to cope with disappointment, shame, addiction, and all kinds of other topics. Uh, we really believe that Respero has something to offer for everyone. You can find out more about Respero on social media at Respero Restoring Hope or online at their website at rispero.org. That's respero.org that's r e s p e r o.org. We hope you'll join them in their mission of bringing hope to a hurting and chaotic world. we come into relationships with like a whole host of experiences about relationships in general mm-hmm. that we bring, you know, like when we meet a right. new person, it's not like a blank slate. Like, no. Oh, now I'm right, going to develop yeah. a completely different style of attachment because mm-hmm. I met a new person. And I think it's the same as true with God, right? We just, we project right. our past experiences with our parents and with mm-hmm. caregivers and all that kind of stuff. We project it onto God because we can't not, there has to be some mm-hmm. sort of, Backdrop for us to mm-hmm. actually have to think about God as a person that we can relate with. Right. You have to yeah. like, bring that in, you know. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. So that that's kind of. Um, I wonder. If, we could we could talk. You know, we could nerd out about the traditional attachment styles. I don't think uh, I want to do that. I, I'd love to hear. You're, you've uh, you got this book coming out soon, coming out mm-hmm. soon in February? Is that right? Yeah,
4: February. On
3: I guess that's not Fe- super soon. Fe-
4: February but, yeah. 22nd, 2022, on a Tuesday. So it oh, is... really? What?
3: Tuesday, two, 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 two? Uh-huh, yeah, it is two. a yeah. Tuesday. That's pretty cool. That's a pretty Ready? cool release there. Right, yeah. And I can't forget it. When no. are all the twos coming? Great. Right, yeah. Um, no, that's great. And it's called Attached to God, a Practical Guide, to deeper spiritual experience, and um, what I like about what you've done here is you've taken sort of that attachment theory and uh, thought about our relationship with God, and you've distilled it a little bit into four spiritual attachment styles. Mm-hmm. Um, and these these you, you just outlined one of them, which I think mm-hmm. is the anxious spiritual mm-hmm. attachment style. Can yeah. you just walk through what those are? Because I I, like, mm-hmm. I found as I read through these, I was like, oh, this is. This makes so much sense of my experience and also my experience as a pastor, like mm-hmm. talking with people who have difficulty relating to God, mm-hmm. like uh, they, they seem like they're very, very common. So will mm-hmm. you just walk us through those and kind of give us a picture of each spiritual attachment style?
4: Yeah, definitely. So um, when we think about, sec- we'll start with secure relationship. Yeah. Um, and and I guess two two things I should say first. One is everyone is on a spectrum here. Um and so there are the, you know, you're you're going to identify more with one style than another, but you're never going to fall completely in one box. Okay. And what I find is more helpful some people want to think like, you know, am I one of the insecure styles or am I a secure style? And what I think is helpful to think about is when I'm in an insecure place, where do I go to? Good. Yeah. Right. Um, and then the, the one other thing I just want to say is that um, as we're talking about this, uh, just attachment in general, uh, don't try to assess your own children's attachment styles. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, uh, fair warning. Yeah. Because um, there are, for really what it takes for a secure attachment, is you have to get it right 50% of the time in the times when your kid needs you. So hmm. that doesn't mean you have to be perfect parent all the time. It means that like when your kid is in distress, you show up for them at least fifty percent of the time. <laughs> so um so that's, I just that's, like to, that's really
3: helpful for me. Yeah, yeah thank you. take yeah. that
4: pressure off. <laughs> and if you're the yeah. parent that's like, you know, am am I doing this right? Then you probably are developing a secure relationship with your with your kid. And there are some if you yeah. If yeah. you care about hmm. it, you're right.
3: probably you're on the right path. You're doing yeah, okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't feel bad. All
4: yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so I just like to throw that out there, but um, yeah, when we look at secure secure relationships, that's the sense of like I am. I have a sense of myself as lovable, and I have a sense of uh, God as as loving me. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think about the prodigal son story. There are these elements that um, that show up there. Um, because one is the, the son finds that I can go to my dad whenever I need. Right. And actually like a lot of people, you know, will focus on he repented, you know, but really like what happens is like, he's like, I'm out of food. Um, (laughs) I'm in need. Uh, I'm going to go back to my dad's house and maybe he'll take me back. Yeah. And so it's not like, it's not like, oh, I don't know where my parent is. It's like, no, I can go and, and get the love that I need. Um, the other is that, um, the dad doesn't expect him to change, you know? So he's been like sleeping with pigs Mm -hmm. and, uh, and the dad hugs him. So you think about that. He doesn't say like, in in a lot of, um, white evangelical theology, it's like, God loves you, but you have to be cleansed first. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't want to like go too nerdy into that part, but, um, but what I see in the Prodigal Son story is he's not like, go put on a clean shirt and then I'll give you a hug. He's like, I'm here. I'm just so excited that you're here. Um, and yeah. then there's this element of delight, uh, which is I like mm. you. You know, mm. he, he throws yeah. a party. So it's, yeah. it's, it, it's not um, – it's – it's not like, oh, you know, we need to make this right. You need to do this or that. Um, it's like, no, let's let's just celebrate. I'm so glad that you're here. Mm-hmm. So, that would be a, a picture of a secure relationship with God. The sense that God is on your side, that God likes you, that God loves you, um, mm-hmm. and that, you, you know, you don't have to be perfect uh, in order to be close to God. And yeah, Crispin,
2: let, me, let me just offer an observation about that. So going back to this Tozer quote, right? Uh-huh. Uh, the most important thing about you is what comes to mind when you think about God. And going back to your observation that a lot of how we relate gets sort of downloaded as an operating system in some ways into mm-hmm. our like nervous system. So it's actually not mm-hmm. conscious. It's actually not something we're right. consciously yeah. choosing all the time. And so actually, mm-hmm. um, actually Tozer's not right. Like, we can tell ourselves that, oh, yes, God's love's unconditional, but we can McGee mm-hmm. and me our way through a relationship with God, you right. know, like the best of them, mm-hmm. right? Which is kind of mm-hmm. what maybe you kind of named your experience growing up. I'm sure you heard, like, you know, there's nothing right, you yeah. can do to earn God's love. It's un- unmerited mm-hmm. favor and, right, getting mm-hmm. what you don't mm-hmm. deserve. Yeah. But then right. there is this anxiety that winds us from the inside mm-hmm. that lives mm-hmm. in our bones, you know, lives in our
4: bodies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's something that, um, that's a, something I'm really interested in is that dynamic of, uh, where, where do these unhelpful, uh, images of God come from? And the research generally says that family of origin is generally where we get that from, uh, the family that we grew up with, um, and actually mothers more than fathers typically, Hmm. um, But I have a hesitation about that narrative (laughs) because uh, it can then get toxic theology off of the hook um, (laughs) in in the sense that it's like, yeah, like you have a hard time trusting God because you grew up in a dysfunctional family. And I remember talking with a friend once who said, um, I told him, I said like, you know, I'm bringing these things up in our in our church um, and saying, you know, let's think about how these theologies and teachings come across. And I said, but I'm just really worried. Like, I knew that I I know that I grew up in a dysfunctional family. What if people are just thinking like that's just Crispin's baggage? Mm. Um, and he was like, No, like because you grew up in that system, you have a keen eye for what's dysfunctional. <laughs> and if you're like this feels familiar, mm. then like that's actually a gift to the church. So, that's good. you know, if you grow up with a parent that really demands a lot of you for you to really be liked or loved, um, then and then you get to church and you're like, wait a minute, like this kind of feels familiar. Mm. That's actually a gift to the church to say like, well, let's go back and and see like what's, what's going on here. And I think that yeah. one thing that I will say is that no matter where this insecurity comes from, it's important that the church looks at how do we heal these things. So, rather than saying, uh, well, that's just your baggage, let's say, okay, so you are coming in with this harm done, this relational uh, framework. Um, What is, (laughs) this sounds heretical, what is the God that you need um, but I, I think if we're talking about listening to people with trauma and that have mm-hmm. suffered yeah. and we say what do you need that totally fits with the story of scripture because yeah especially in the thinking about Old Testament um, and the Hebrew story like that is God's mo is like mm-hmm. there's a time of need I'm gonna show up yes um, yeah. and and kind of fit that so yeah. Yeah, and Jesus
3: does this in the Gospels too, right? He right. he he brings whatever is needed, whatever love demands mm-hmm. in each relationship. He brings, you know. Right. Um, it, it's not like he's got to give you every aspect of every atonement theory in every mm-hmm. interaction. You know what I mean? Like right. He, yeah. he yeah. can just say, "Neither do I condemn you. Go and right. say no more." He can just say that. That's enough of, yeah. of good news for.
2: And I know, know. we have. I yeah. know we have two more styles, but I just want to point uh-huh. three. More. Three more. Well, we have anxious yeah. and secure. Is there? Are there two more or three?
4: Right. Anxious, anxious. So we're talking about security. And then if we talked about insecure styles, we have anxious, which we've talked about a little bit. Then we also have shut down and we have, um, we have shut down and then we have shame filled. Okay. Well,
2: I I just want to point out for a moment here that there may be listeners who are realizing for the first time that they, they inherited sort of an anxious attachment style and went searching mm-hmm. for a Christian system or tradition that fit that. Mm-hmm. that. That And there are, I think, theological streams or traditions that do keep us mm-hmm. anxious, perpetually anxious. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm, and that yeah. becomes sort of this toxic, we have a toxic spirituality bred out of an mm-hmm. anxious attachment with some kind of Frankenstein God. Right, mm-hmm. that is an amalgamation of our, mm-hmm. you know, uh, pre eighteen month experiences yeah. in our family, yeah. right? Yeah. So I, I, yeah. I, I just want to have a moment just to say, like, uh, if you're realizing that and you're reckoning with that, that's a, it's a big deal, right, Crispin? I mean, you're the pro here, not mm-hmm. me. But that's like a big deal to reckon with yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh
4: huh. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, it is. It's my hope is that it's freeing for people to mm. be able to put words to this experience. You know, there's this experience I've had, this feeling I've had, and it doesn't. It's especially hard to put your finger on because of the the explicit theological things that we're taught, mm-hmm. right? But we need to make some room for, like, well, how do I feel about this? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And uh, before we move on to the other styles, uh, I I I gotta tell you about this part because we've been mentioning Tozer um, <laughs> <laughs> and I actually spend some time in my book talking about him. I I, I don't know his attachment style that that wouldn't be ethical or whatever, yeah. but yeah. what we found with um, the toddlers that were anxious about that connection, they would sit right next to mom and they would hold on to her skirt okay. and they wouldn't go play. They wouldn't go explore because it's like it's up to me to maintain this relationship it's up to me so i need to really focus on mom and and what that means is i can't learn and grow and develop and do all these things right um so it kind of leads to this question like can we be too preoccupied with god (laughs) dude this is
2: you're blowing my freaking (laughs) mind
4: <laughs> well and so then then looking at Tozer's life um I, I read a bi- biography of his and it was fascinating because he was so such what what we would give a picture in the church of um of what devotion looks like and so Right,
3: right. he's held up as this like Right yeah, of, yeah yeah
4: he, you know he had his he, he would he would just spend hours um praying. He had his praying pants that, you know, so we wouldn't wear the knees out of literally he would change, <laughs> know this. Yeah, he would change into his praying pants. Um, and you know, that, that like his, his, uh, assistant or secretary or whatever would walk in periodically and find him just kind of like moaning on the floor in prayer. That was literally the the word used in the biography. Yeah. Um, and and he also, he would refuse raises. He would often, um, he, he didn't want anything to distract him from the pursuit of God. Yeah. So, um, if he would get money, a lot of times he would uh, donate it. Um, he would uh, then, uh, like his books, he signed the, the rights away to so that they would support ministries. Which is so, sounds so great and is great in a lot of ways. Um, but when you talk to his family, they're like, we never went on vacation. Um, his wife uh, needed a car. He didn't, wouldn't buy a car because he didn't want wealth to distract from pursuing God. So she would either have to brave the cold Chicago winters um, mm-hmm. or uh, get rides from, from church members. Um, and he he died before she did. She remarried somewhat somewhat soon afterward. And someone said, like, you know, what's it like um, being married to this new guy, Leonard? And she was like, Leonard loves me. Tozer loved Jesus. Wow. And so it's this picture of like he was so consumed with wanting to to have this connection with God. But it it ended up sort of hampering his ability to engage with yeah. the rest of his life. Yeah, um, and it makes me think again of the toddler that's like clinging to this mom's skirt, wow, but can't go like play with toys or talk to yeah. other kids or yeah. you know and 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 that's where I think that's such a sadly poignant picture in the church where these anxious this anxious attachment style of like, you know, always that thing of like, make sure that you're thinking this week. Like, where are you at with God? How are you know? Are you staying right. close to God? Um, can, you do your quiet time, right? You know, exactly. like all of that kind. Of, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. So, wow, yeah, dude. That that we could do a podcast series <laughs> right. about that because it's it's so s- sneaky, right? That mm-hmm. what looks and you know, Tozer's. I mean, and there's a lot of good that has mm-hmm. come from his work obviously as well. So it's yeah. not you know black or white right, or Yeah, good or bad but like just the way that sort of anxious attachment hides in plain sight in mm-hmm. the church is is yeah. fascinating. And that sometimes is, fascinating. is
4: praised and rewarded too. Well yeah. it's held, it's it's held up as, as the
2: I mean you're, you're you're more passionate right and you're more right. on mm-hmm. zeal you're more on fire you're more no. Yeah, you know, yeah.
3: The longer yeah. you can you're pray, you're not wasting your life. The more praying pants you move through, you've you right. all blew out, blew out the knees in another pair of right. praying pants. Uh-huh. I don't yeah. mean to make fun of Tozer's praying <laughs> pants, but it tickles me a little all bit. All right. Well, yeah. okay. So, so secure attachment is, and, and then the other three styles are insecure in mm-hmm. some way or another.
4: Right. Yeah. Yep. So that's like when I, I'm worried about this relationship in some way. Yeah. <clears throat> and here are the ways that I cope with it. So one okay. is doing that really anxious thing okay. of like i'm I'm gonna you know i want to be close to you um and i'm gonna focus on that instead of focusing in a balanced way on everything in my life yeah um the the taking sh- my family on
3: vacation right exactly yeah yeah the the I, sh- can, can i just <laughs> say a lot of uh, a lot of modern worship music strikes me as anxious. Mm-hmm. It comes from an anxious place. It mm-hmm. it comes from like I just want to be close to you. I just want to do this. I mm-hmm. I love you so much Jesus. I you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah. sure I think a lot of that can be an authentic overflow of emotion. Right. But but it strikes me that like the need to keep sort of harping on that sometimes can be a manifestation mm-hmm. of an anxious spirituality. Well, yeah. Right. Yeah, I think yeah, about
2: definitely. I think about if I actually were to say that to my mom. I just want to be close to you. Or,
3: or, or my wife. wife. Yeah, well, they yeah, would
2: say, yeah. aren't we? We are. Yeah. What's wrong <laughs> with you? What are you doing? I thought we were okay
4: when we were <laughs> sitting here in the, in you, the
3: kitchen. Like, what are you need talking to check about? The bank account right well, now? What'd you do?
4: Cut yeah. the cucumbers. Why are you <laughs> right. telling um, me about... You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, and that's that's actually when thinking about couples therapy and right, that happens where it's like, are we okay? Like, I, you know, I need to check in with you all the time. Like, you... I texted you, and it's been an hour. What's yeah. wrong? Is there yeah. something wrong? Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, and wow. actually, there wow. there's. It's mostly speculative, um, but Todd Hall wrote a book. Uh, sorry, um, co-authored an article with with some other uh, psychologists. Um, he's at Biola at Rosemead, mm-hmm. um, and he talks about these attachment styles. And there's at least some kind of theories based on some preliminary research that. When we continually approach God in that way, of um, continually, you know, I need this worship experience to to feel right, close. Right. Uh, we go through these cycles where we have to keep coming back to that in order to feel okay.
2: Oh,
3: Dude, so, yeah, yeah. It's it has all the hallmarks of an addiction, mm-hmm. obsession. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. right, oh. yeah. So all right, that's so, that's we, one. Sorry, piece.
3: Crispin, this is yeah. great. Yeah. So anxious, ang- I think we've got a good picture of anxious. Yeah. You started to talk about shutdown. Spirituality. Yeah. What's that?
4: Right. So shutdown, um, it might be helpful to give a picture of what that looks, what a, a avoidant um, dismissive attachment style, which is what I'm talking about here. Okay. Um, if, if that doesn't mean anything to you, forget I said it. Don't get hung up on the terms. It gets confusing soon.
3: Delete it from the record.
4: Right. Yep. But, um, or it gets confusing quickly. Um, But really, you know, it's kind of this person that um, says, I don't really need others. You know, my relationships are fine. I'm good. I don't really like to talk about emotions. I don't like, you know, I don't don't feel emotions. Like, I'm fine. Um, And I would rather just like go work on a project. Um, And, you know, of course, like in the U.S., uh, we tend to think of, and especially in the church, um, these are kind of stereotypical male um, yeah. you know, personality. Stoic. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. traits. Um, and so what this looks like in faith is, um, well, where that comes from, actually, this uh, being allergic to emotions, it comes from <laughs> this place. If you grow up and say, say you're a kid and you're at the park and you skin your knee and you look over at mom and you know... All right, I could go over and get a hug, but like she's actually gonna be annoyed that I'm hurt. She's gonna be frustrated that I'm crying. Um, If we get those messages growing up um, consistently, because there are times with my own kids where I'm like, you know, you're freaking out right now. (laughs) Like this is an oversized reaction. But if we consistently get a message that your emotions are not okay, uh, then what we end up doing is, is, is emotions are, are built for connection, right? I cry, you give me a hug. Uh, but if I learn that me crying actually leads to punishment or being rejected, mm. then what's the point of emotions for me? And so um, then I grew up thinking emotions actually lead to disconnection. Mm. And so if I want to keep the people that I love close wow. to me I gotta just stuff those emotions down, yeah, and actually, yeah. you get to this point where your brain changes um, so that it's much easier for you to dismiss the emotions in your that are coming up in your body. Wow, um, your brain and, literally changes. Yes, uh-huh, to, you,
3: to enable you to ignore what your body is telling you about how you feel.
4: Right. Yeah, the insula is this part of your brain uh, that translates. Uh, body sensations into emotions and it gets smaller in people okay. with this attachment style that, that's wow. again from Kurt Thompson's research yes.
1: this podcast is brought to you by Gravity Leadership Academy our 10 month online training intensive for Christian leaders who want to root their life and leadership in God's love and bring lasting transformation to their culture in Gravity Leadership Academy, you'll learn the real-life practicalities of how to notice God's presence and activity in and around you so you can participate more fully in God's life and mission and open up space for those around you to do so too. We've worked really hard to make this training in missional leadership practical and doable. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com academy.
2: So I got a B minus in pastoral counseling in seminary, and I've only had seen like three episodes of Doctor Phil, but I'm noticing that both uh-huh. of these both of these attachment styles are adaptations to deal with
4: pain. Yes, right. they're mm-hmm. they're survival. Yeah, mechanisms, they are eh? ways Something? of getting the cl- yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. It's how you get. Thanks for bringing that up. That's the whole core of it. Is oh, so good job, <laughs> yeah. Matt. Uh, how how <laughs> how do you I get an A <laughs> in pastoral counseling yeah. now retroactive? <laughs> <laughs> how 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 do I get the closeness that I need? Uh, if I can't just walk up to dad and get a hug, right? Like the prodigal son. How do I get it? I I pull on um, his coat until he hugs me. Mhm. Yep, I pull on his coat until he hugs mm-hmm. me or like or. as long as I can just be stoic? Then at least I can stay kind of- do a good
3: job mowing the lawn.
4: Mm-hmm. Then I can then stay kind of close, me. right? Yeah, yep. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and, and actually um, k- infants with this shutdown style, uh, they've tracked that they see that the, the, the kid will hang out in this zone around the parent that's not too close and not too far. Hmm. I want closeness, but I know that if I get too close, my parent will reject me. So I need to just, like, stay in this orbit around them. Yeah, yeah. And so they look – and these kids look happy. Um, they go and they play. They try to distract themselves, right? Like, all right, I got yeah. a skin knee. I know if I go to mom, she's going to make me feel bad for crying. I'm just going to go, like, suck it up, and I'm going to go uh, play on the monkey bars, you know, and mm-hmm. do something. Yeah. Um, and so what this looks like is um, is – I have to. My emotions are a barrier to my connection with God,
3: hmm.
4: and and this goes both ways. So these are people that see emotions as kind of the opposite of faith. We've seen this in the last year, right? Faith over fear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. fear. Fear is not an emotion from God, or. Um, you know, Piper tweeted that thing recently from John Powell that worry is a mild form of atheism. Yeah. yeah. Um, in my book, I kind of go through just kind of pick apart some different quotes from people. Um, yeah. Uh, one that I think is most poignant is Francis Chan says that um, that worry and anxiety is uh, basically like odorous to God. Yeah. Um, wow. You know, be, because it's, you know, the idea is that we don't trust God. But right. when you think about that, this idea of, like, God finds it, you know, foul or disgusting, it, it brings up that feeling again of, like, I can't get close to God. God's going to be disgusted with me because I have yeah. these emotions. But it flips the other way, which is these are people that are, like, likely to be, like, you know what, like, yeah, my, uh, I, my kid is totally flandering in college, freshman year. But it's fine. Like, God has a plan. I don't need to worry about it. And what they're doing is they're shutting down their emotions through mm-hmm. their spirituality. So it kind of goes both ways. Yeah. This in in yeah. this we yeah. can't, we, yeah. we
2: refer to that sometimes as um, spiritual bypassing, like right? Mm-hmm. Like we use yep. God or we use yeah. the Bible to get away from reality, like to not right. reckon with yeah. what's real.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally.
3: to avoid to avoid the pain of what would that mean if. If my kid, if my relationship with my kid was broken, right. or there was, you know, a lot to walk through, or you know, right. like what would, it would just be a lot of pain, yeah. And the me- the memories of like what happens when I confront right. that pain or when I feel that emotion, well, it's just more pain. So right. why, <laughs> <You
4: know>? yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. And in yeah. looking at this, I mean, the the founder of attachment science, John Bowlby, he was really against the idea of pathologizing people or saying that people were dysfunctional. He would say like, this is just our brains are you know i don't he right. didn't say it this way but but our brains are so amazing that if we yeah. learn <laughs> that yeah. emotions lead to disconnection we're going to get really good at just shutting down those emotions yeah. um, you know and, and even talking to people as a therapist it's like well how does that feel or like let's let's kind of dig yeah. into your feelings and i get it when they're like why would i want to do that it's uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. i don't know what they are yeah. And whenever I've talked about them before, people just run and scream in the yeah. other direction. There's right. no point in in talking right. about my emotions. Why, why
3: am I paying you to ask me this?
4: Right. Yeah. yeah. What am I
3: doing? Uh-huh.
4: Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you know, then that you can just see um, that kind of stream of Christianity, um, yeah. where which really can look at, um, you know, what's the what's the most logical systemic. Yeah way to approach things um right and again looks at like emotions you know i look at emotions as a sign of something um mm-hmm. it t- it's telling me something right. um but they're looking at emotions as kind of the opposite of faith so yeah often
3: yeah if you're experiencing especially negative emotions if it's anything other than joy right or gratitude contentment, like gratitude, then buddy, then it's an it's evidence gratitude that's a good one but if it's fear or worry uh, anxiety uh, anger then there's it's evidence that like there's something wrong mm-hmm. that needs to be fixed like mm-hmm. so you can stop feeling that emotion so you can kind of get on with your life rather than listening to the emotion saying like i wonder why i'm angry mm-hmm. or you know what's going on right now yeah right yeah okay yeah this is super helpful. I feel like we could talk about. Th- I want to keep yeah. us moving though. Right. Yeah. So secure attachment. The two styles we've talked about so far of insecure attachment are anxious and shut down. I may or may not have identified with one of those, so, Matt. <laughs> you can maybe guess that. No, we're not supposed no. to do that, right, Crispin? No. We're not supposed to try well, to identify you, you other can, people's. You.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, <laughs> ju- just don't don't try to like measure your okay. the quality of attachment with your kid. That's that's okay, my right. that's my just don't grand do that.
3: rule. All right. Very good. So there's one more insecure style. Mm-hmm. Um, w- walk us through that one, and yeah. I, I have a couple more questions for you.
4: Right. So this is shame filled, and okay. um, and what this is is that there's something really broken inside of me that God is disgusted with, and so um, what this what this looks like is where we try to get close to god by punishing or shaming ourselves, right, before mm. god can get a chance to do that to us in a Ooh. sense. Yeah. So that's sort of the like I you know, I'm I'm a I'm wretched a lowly, sinner, yeah. right? I'm you yeah. know, I'm a worm. Right. Um and but again, if we hold this attachment framework, how are we trying to get connection? We're trying to get connection right? By proving to God that we know we don't deserve it. And so, uh, right. you know, it's kind of like, all right, I, I need to be holy to be close to God. I can't be holy. So at least I can, uh, you know, prove to God that I understand how unholy I am.
3: Right. Right. Yeah.
4: And yeah.
3: I, I remember, uh, Dallas Willard, I think talked about in the divine conspiracy. Um, he's talking about like, it um, that there's a there's a spirituality. I feel like I'm gonna butcher this, but he said basically like it's not faith by works, but it's like it's almost like faith by faith by knowing it's not by works, like mm-hmm. faith by my knowledge of how un- uninvolved my works can be. You know what I mean? Like, right, but it's yeah. all it's not really actually faith in God. It's faith in my awareness of how bad I am. Mm-hmm. You know? Right? Yeah. So I hear shades of that and what you're saying, shame filled.
4: Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's mm. what we. um Oh my gosh, I'm spacing on the name of the theologian, so I'll look it up and send it to you later for show notes. But <laughs> okay. he talks about, um, uh, you know, when we realize we can't bring anything good to God, mm-hmm. we can at least bring like self condemnation and self hatred. Yes. <laughs> you know, right. like right, um, yeah. yeah, and and that this actually the shame filled part is. Um, is where I started first thinking about attachment in spirituality. Um, Mm. So kids that grow up with attachment trauma, um, emotional neglect or abuse, they will feel like there's something at their core that is disgusting. So Mm. it's like um, I have a, it's like there's something about me at my core that drives others away. Mm. And so they'll, they'll say things like, I feel, you know, all like dirty inside. Um, I, I feel like a rat. I feel like a pigeon, you know? Um, and this is just kind of <laughs> a lot of the literature of people that have worked with kids that have um, a lot of like kids in the foster care system, it would be a good example of this. Um, and I was, I was reading that, you know, this idea that, you know, my heart is black, um, which is. A phrase that I, I don't like uh, because of the history of white supremacy in this country. Right? Yeah, it um, takes
3: on some different meanings. Yeah.
4: Yes, uh, but what I think is important about that is it. It was like, wait a minute, this was like the thing that I was told with the you know the wordless book. Um, yes, is if you're familiar. Yes. Uh, is not, is, is um, th- it's it's. Uh, a book, quote unquote. You, my grandma made them out of felt pages, um, and each page is just a color. And so, oh, that was right? called a wordless book. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Yep. So, um, red and it, black yep. and white, gold and, gold and you know the streets of heaven. right. Every, and right. Oh. If you grew up in, in in an evangelical church, you probably had some uh, some exposure to this sort of thing. Um, but you know, this idea that your heart is dirty, um, or your heart is black in this case, um, and it needs to be cleansed. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, what does it mean that kids that have gone through emotional abuse or neglect or worse have that feeling? (laughs) But I was told in Sunday school, like that your heart is black, um, Mm -hmm. and no wonder it resonates. That shame resonates, and and if you're told this from a young it feels age, true. Um, and I've talked to, yeah, mm-hmm. it feels true. And actually, um, the if you go back in the research, um, find out. I I went back and found out um, where this was first used. It was first used. Um, hang on. First used by Charles Spurgeon. Mm-hmm. It's attributed to him. And the first place he presented this wordless book concept was in England. Um, He had this uh, uh, special evangelistic um, day um, event where they brought all the kids from the orphanages in London to hear this gospel Mm. presentation. So I'm like, of course it resonated. Like, just the start of this, like, you know, hundreds of years ago, uh, yeah. it makes sense that these kids are like, "Oh yeah, it totally feels like I have a black heart, or you know, yes. yeah. that there's yeah. something really wrong with me at my core." Yes. Um, and so yeah. that that filled thing is like when we just live there, when we stay there with like, "Yeah, there, I am so broken," and we really like obscure the imago day, you know, um, and even yeah. growing up, I mean, it, it, of course we have to figure out how do we talk about sin? How do we talk yeah. about brokenness? Um, but I've come to this, this idea that we are um, at our core created by God and loved by God. And that is the most true thing about us. Yeah. Um, and on the outside, uh, there are these ways that we're broken or, or, you know, kind of dirty on the outside. And, um, What I was told growing up is you might look good on the outside, Mm. but at your (laughs) core, you're totally broken. Yeah, Um, Yeah. and that really does um, it. I guess one last way that I'll put it: um, I'm I'm hoping that as people are hearing this, that it's just like maybe making some connections because that's Mm. what I did. Reading this was like, oh, like it's just it's starting to come together why I felt this way. But Brene Brown her definition of shame is this feeling that I've fallen below a standard um, and therefore I'm undeserving of love or belonging. Yeah. And I was like, that actually just describes the gospel message that I was told when I was a kid. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You've sinned. You missed the mark. You have missed the mark. Right. Therefore you don't, you don't deserve to be with God. You deserve isolation. Um, Yeah. And again, this is really complicated. I'm not. I'm not doing my theology based on Brene Brown's definition of shame. Sure, sure, sure. But it really helps us be like, oh, like if this is the message we've been given, then it just totally makes sense that um, that it's going to resonate in this emotional way. In a bad emotional yeah. way, <laughs> right, right? Right. It's going to resonate gonna, yeah. in all the
3: wrong ways, exactly, you know, and yeah. reinforce that
4: harmful right. yes. pattern. Then, but then, yeah. because yeah. we can't
2: live under crippling shame, like it actually leads to despair, hopelessness, and often like mm-hmm. uh, despondency and suicide. Like, like humans can't function right with this. Um, right. We we need some kind of uh, transactional divine package to alleviate our shame and release us into this sweet. Mm-hmm. Heavenly jouissance where we get freed. Right. right. So then we then we have a gospel that's yeah. simply about releasing us from the prison of shame that we've constructed. But but mm-hmm. it, and it's a well, momentary it's a yeah. momentary like whatever. But then we mm-hmm. because the internal shame hasn't been dealt with in any way. We need that next week as mm-hmm. well.
4: Right. Yeah. And, and it it um boy, there are there's so many aspects to this one mm-hmm. thing that I think is so unhelpful is that we've constructed a um, a gospel the the whole courtroom judgment thing right it's like you're told hey your sins aren't counted against you you can mm-hmm. walk free but really it's not that we we want to know that our that our we don't want to know, like, oh, I'm not going to be punished for my sins. We want to know God likes me, God loves yes. me. Right? We we don't want a, a get out of jail free card. We actually want a hug, right? We yeah, want a quiddle, to, like, Yes. Wrap the us up. The judge who a hug. acquits
0: yes. me
2: doesn't have to like me or love me, right? Yeah. yeah.
4: And
3: and hopefully I'll never see him again.
4: <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean, like, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I I yeah. talked to this I had this client years ago, um, who. He said, and I tell this story often enough, um, he's someone who's been through a lot of trauma. um, Mm -hmm. And he said, just really rough life. And he said, you know, me and the big guy have an agreement. I don't like him. He doesn't like me. And I know Mm -hmm. where I'm going when I die. Wow. And I said, I was like, well, you know, there are some traditions that say – Hell is this experience of um, the the parts of us that aren't loving being burned away, and that's a painful process. But um, but this idea that um, you know George MacDonald would say this that we can't escape God, and um, and so God is a consuming fire. God is with us, and he said, I, I wouldn't. He just totally softened, and he said, I wouldn't mm. mind. Burning for a while, as long as God wanted to keep me oh, around. Geez, dude. Oh my gosh! Right, which is like, yeah, we don't want, we don't. I mean, we don't want to be punished, but this attachment longing of like, I want it's, to yeah. be dude, loved the, stronger. Dude, right, the guy, yeah. who, the guy yeah. who
2: basically told you he's going to hell, he may have had the tr- like purest confession of faith I've ever heard.
4: <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 Right. It's like I don't even. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and that parallels those kids that, you know, psychology has for a long time. Like, so Freud said kids love their parents because their kids, their parents feed them and protect them. And yet we know kids that are not fed or protected or hurt by their parents that will still love them so much yeah. and need that yeah. connection because yeah. that's what we need. And I think that is what, if we just want to look at, uh, you know, what would a Christian leader walk away with? People want to connect with God and they're trying their hardest. Um, and it doesn't mean that they're perfect, but, um, but being able to take a step back and ask, like, what it, in what ways is, is this person or my congregation trying to pursue God? And, you know, in yeah. what ways is it working or not?
3: Because
4: yeah. uh, I hear too many stories of, um, I, I've been part of too many churches where it's like, you're not trying hard enough. You're not, oh, yeah. you know, you just yeah. don't care about God. You don't love God yeah. enough. But I think that underneath all of it, like, of course we want that connection with God. But if we've learned that that, relationship is too painful of course we're going to go somewhere else or we're going to yeah. find other ways of managing it.
3: Yeah. Yeah, just uh, that's a that's a beautiful piece of advice I think for leaders, just to have that those that lens of grace.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Like, you know what I mean? If you stand up to preach and they're in the room, right. They're seeking God. You know? <laughs> they, they don't have to go to church. They're yeah. they they want to be with God, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they're in church. So anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one last question for you. I think that's really helpful. One last question: If maybe some of our listeners um, are are recognizing themselves as I as I did as you mm-hmm. describe these things, like recognizing their approach to God and feeling like oh, like I do want to belong to God. I do want to move into more consistent, like secure uh, mm-hmm. spiritual attachment to God. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what yeah. would you tell people? Because you know we've we've talked about this. You can't just like cram. Extra God facts into your mind. You know, right. you can't just read another book, even though those things can be helpful. Mm-hmm. But like, what what would you recommend to somebody who is like, I really want, I really want this, but I'm recognizing that, man, I've mm. I've got these other styles that that come up a lot.
4: Yeah, um, this is there are really concrete things that you can do to address this, mm-hmm. and um, and it depends on your attachment style. Um, and so I'm really excited for my book to come out because yes (laughs) then, and that, this sounds like book promotion, but it literally is like, there are, there are concrete exercises that I have in the book. Um, but it, you know, it depends on figuring out kind of like, what's the thing that I'm working on. But I think just a, just a, a starting point. Um, and, and if, if, if listeners want to also Before it's released, um, I do have a newsletter that I try to Mm. do monthly um, Mm -hmm. at at my website, CrispinMayfield.com. It's the Secure Spirituality newsletter. So I've done some of the exercises there. Um, But one really great place to start is to do a little bit of a self-art therapy. Um, And Mm. so draw a picture of you and God in that relationship or draw a picture of what God looks like or um, I usually draw stick figures. It does not have to be good. Um. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's about my, that's about my level. So I'm right. To yeah. Hear you say that. yeah.
4: Um, but you know, for some people it might be like a collage, like pulling out some magazines yeah, yeah, and like, yeah. what is it that, you know, when, when I really um, focus on what it's like to be close with God, how does it feel? Um, and that's so abstract, but I think that a lot of us have that idea of, you know, on a level of one to 10, when I think about God being close, do I feel comfortable or uncomfortable? Um, Mm. but yeah, just drawing a picture, like if, if God and I were in a room, (laughs) what would the room look like? How far apart would you be sitting? What do I look like? What does God look like? Um, and that's a way of starting to access, like, what is it that's going on underneath my thoughts my theological thoughts yeah. um and then there are places to go with that but I think just bringing an awareness to that first is mm. is definitely the first step for for whoever it is that's awesome Crispin. yeah
2: what a gift yeah. Crispin, I, I'm just'm I'm, yeah. I'm thinking through you know for most of our listeners maybe this anxious attachment or this distant avoidant attachment or this shame-filled attachment. Maybe describe like the options or choices they had about Christian theology, like this: these are the only ways to approach God, and just the fact that you're naming these as adaptations, and you're also, you know, describing this picture of a secure attachment as a as maybe maybe the orienting center or telos of what uh, vibrant Jesus-centered spirituality could be as a gift. To us. So thank you. Mm. And thanks for this book. Yes. I got to wait six months. I can't believe yeah, it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I'll <laughs> pre order it. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'll right. do. Yeah.
4: Yes. yeah. The last thing that I'd throw in here is uh, I have a podcast called Attached to the Invisible. Mm. Um, yes. And there's some resources there. Um, but also, uh, my wife and I do a podcast on evangelical media from the 80s and <laughs> 90s and, and also 2000s. Yes. Um and awesome. so we started out looking at Adventures in Odyssey um but this this mm-hmm. most recent season is called Shamecore Records and we're looking at Christian hardcore oh and oh, yeah. um and what I so here's my pitch if okay. you if you're hearing this and you're like I I don't listen to that screaming uh music um That's fine. Uh, What I'm looking at is that these bands, there wasn't a lot of uh, censorship. Mm. Um, And so I, I kind of along these lines in terms of like when you're artistic, right? Like there are things that come out that maybe you wouldn't have been able to put a finger on before. I found that with Christian hardcore lyrics, and so um, yep. basically, what I'm doing is I'm looking at these different um, these different lyrics and passages, and then tying that with an attachment oh lens to like what does this teach us about the All experience right. of e- That's of evangelicalism? So, for example, oh gosh. wow, when okay. uh, when under oath screams. Um, Hold me close, wash my mind, destroy the me that lives inside, right? That's this message of, like, if I'm going to get close to God, which is that from an attachment lens, the thing that I long for, I have to no longer be myself. I have to destroy myself. Um, Later in the album, he talks about, you know, God take me because I hate me.
0: Yeah
4: and it's like oh yeah like that feeling of like i have to hate myself in order to get close to god you're like yeah it's not that as as explicit as he's he saying yeah but it is like hiding in the corners of the church yeah totally you know yeah. and so so that's what i've kind of done is like all right like let's look at all these like you know teenagers and early 20 year olds yeah. that you know are part of this evangelical pl- space but you know, nobody is saying like, well, you know, what do you mean here? Like, as long as you don't swear or talk about drugs or sex, yeah. like, you're fine. <laughs> you're so, fine. You can <laughs> scream whatever you yeah, want you about can. hating yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, if, but, pe- if people are like, you know, thinking like, oh, yeah, this this is making sense. Um, It's been a really fun season to interview people. And I've done a little bit more of a produced aspect of like taking some of my uh, – Attachment kind of framework Ooh. and asking some questions there. Oh, so dude, fun. that's so,
3: that's called Shame Core Records. If people uh-huh. just search for that. All right. We'll yes. put a link yeah. to that in the show I'm pretty well.
4: sure um, the, the podcast is called Prophetic Imagination Station, uh, okay. which is a combo of a Walter Brueggemann mm-hmm. book and uh-huh. Adventures in Odyssey reference. <laughs> yeah, that, that's brilliant. <laughs> um, <laughs> Prophetic <laughs> Imagination <yeah>. Station. <laughs> I, I love this. <laughs> that, so, but yeah, the, the the specific season that we've been going through okay. um, is Shamecore Records. So, oh, yeah.
3: dude, dude, I I could uh, I could pick your therapist yeah. brain about like because what came to mind for me is like I was I was a pretty straight laced kid going uh, growing uh-huh. up, but I started a punk rock band in yeah. uh, ninth grade, and I was surprised at the lyrics that I wrote. Like coming out of this, like uh-huh. I was, I was like, I had no idea. It was like this anger is coming from somewhere, right? Um, and I, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't aware of how angry I was until I started singing my own lyrics uh, in a punk rock band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway, it's pretty oh my cool.
4: gosh, yeah. The the first episode of the season, uh, I just gotta highlight this because she's doing such great work, Becky Castle Miller. Yeah. Um, oh. I interviewed to her, her. Okay, yeah. Yeah. interviewed her, and she and we kind of talked about this, like, what are the the rules about emotions in evangelicalism coming from LaHaye and Dobson? Um, oh, yeah. and that really explains why like the tooth and nail record label in particular just took yeah. off because it's like, here's this, right, yeah. you know, you want to be straight lace. like, and then yeah. all of a sudden, like, here's this space that you can say whatever you want. Right. Um, right. and it was a lifesaver it's- for a lot of us. and also yeah. like, you know, unhelpful in other ways. Right. So. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's, everything's always uh, a little bit gray. Well, yeah. Crispin, this is, this is awesome. So just to, just to reiterate, if, if you want to explore this further, pre-order the book, we'll put a link to that mm-hmm. in the show notes. Um, go to CrispinMayfield.com. That's Crispin with a K mm-hmm. Mayfield.com. Your newsletter is there. Your podcast is there. And then we'll also mm-hmm. put a link to this, this other podcast, yeah. the prophetic mm-hmm. imagination station. Yeah. Um, can't wait to see Think- the logo.
4: it's it's great (laughs) thank you so much for talking about attachment as you can tell it just really energizes me and like i said just this ability to be able to like here's this feeling that i've had let's let's look at attachment research and say like there's a really good reason that you feel this way yes and that gives us an idea of like where do we go from here
2: so good dude it's been challenging cathartic beautiful thank you Uh Chris.
4: All the things that Christian Hardcore is. All right.
1: Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke, Matt Tebby, and Ben Hardman. Aaron Sternke does our mixing and mastering. You can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. If you find our podcast helpful, share it with your friends in person and on social media. And don't forget to rate and review us online as well as subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free at gravityleadership.com join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com join. And hey, we'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, make a comment, send us an idea, a recommendation, recipe, whatever. You can email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time.